um, get ready, get our church kind of ready stuff. And last week we did, uh, we started our little series called Make Room, and we talked about getting ready for company. And, you know, I knew that this Sunday was going to be a little bit down because it's the holiday. You know, in fact, my phone's been ringing. You know, I'm going to be gone this week, going to be gone this week, going to be gone this week. So I think this Sunday's message is real appropriate because I'm preaching on the power of small. All right, the power of small. So last week we talked about growth. And uh, this week I'm going to talk, and I'm not going to contradict what I said last week, but I'm going to augment what I talked about last week in talking about the power of small. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. If not, it's going to be up on the screen. And I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. And the first verse is really about the explosive growth that was happening in the New Testament church as it took off. In fact, this is day one. This is ground zero day of the church. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, those who accepted the message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, 3,000 show up next Sunday. Imagine that, right? On Friend Day. That's how day one started in Jerusalem. Now, that's amazing. That's an amazing launch Sunday. So they launched um, with, with 3,000. God just did an amazing thing with 120 people there in the upper room. People had come there for the Passover, and God had other plans, and he poured out his spirit, and the church exploded. But then, here's what I want to point out right after that, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were gathered together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and then they broke bread. Now notice this, in their homes. They didn't get 3,000 people in their homes. They brought it down and got it smaller, didn't they? They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we normally think about powerful things as large things. Man, you know, I mean, tonight's going to be boom day, right? It's the last boom day. We like to brag in Knoxville, it's the biggest. It's the biggest firework uh, display in the whole country, you know? So, when we, so we think of the power of that. We think of, of powerful things as big things. Well, the early church was characterized, if you're taking notes in your bulletin, uh, your first fill-in, the, the early church was characterized by rapid growth. Day one, 3,000 were added uh, to the church. Uh, in in um, Later on in Acts 21-20, I don't think this one's up, but it says, When they heard this, they praised God, and they said to Paul, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews had believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. Thousands of Jews were believing uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, when you get to the whole end of the Bible, and it talks about Revelation, how this thing is all going to end up, in Revelation 7-9 it says this, And after this I looked up, and before the, me there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb of God. That's one of my favorite passages because it talks about how heaven is going to be filled with people of every race, every language, every tongue, and every tribe. And one of the things that I talk about a lot at Life Church and my dream for our church 
is that every race and tribe and tongue of Nashville, of not Nashville, Knoxville will come and be a part of this congregation. Because I don't know about you, I want the church on earth to reflect what the church in heaven is going to be like, right? And if we're going to be uh, multiracial there, and we're going to be people of, of all different tribes there, why not have a little bit of heaven down here? And so one of my dreams is that our church just continues not just to grow in number, but to grow in diversity uh, as well as we continue to grow. It's believed that during the first 25 years of the, of the early church, that they grew from 120 people to 50,000 people. 25 years, that's pretty good. From 120 people to 50,000 people. But as really neat as that is, I know of one church in Alabama, Church of the Highlands, that had 50,000 in church on Easter. That was their Easter attendance through their multi-campuses that they have in, in Alabama. So that's amazing what happened in the early church. But don't think that that's where growth stopped. But the church is growing today. And uh, so, so that happened. Uh, 50,000 uh, met there for Easter. This summer, my son went to their youth conference at that church. And uh, go ahead to the next slide. This is the picture of that conference. They filled the stadium. Uh, Noah's in there. You can probably find him there if you look real close. <laughs> 10,000 young people. This is the church youth group, right? Um, 10,000 young people that, that were worshiping the Lord uh, this summer. Amazing. And we think of large things like that as powerful. And certainly it was powerful. In 1996, I attended the largest pastor's conference in modern history. Next slide, please. This is 39,000 clergy from every denomination meeting together at a Promise Keepers pastor's rally uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. It was amazing, and we think of large things like that as rather powerful. Evangelist Reinhard Bonnke uh, has millions attend his, re his revivals in Africa. This is 1.5 million people listening to one sermon. How about that? 1.5 million. During that revival, they had over a million recorded cards turned in, conversions, in that, uh, in that particular revival where Ron Reinhard Bucky was preaching. I went to the largest gathering of Christian men uh, between 1 and 3 million. And I'm, I'm in that crowd. You can probably spot me there. You can see the bald head reflecting up there, uh, the sun glistening off. That's me. <laughs> Uh, but but that but that was one to three million people in 1997. That was at Stand in the Gap. Were you there, Tom? You weren't there. Okay, I thought you were looking for you in that crowd. Uh, but uh, what's that? You found me. All right, great. <coughs> Morris was there. Okay, so <coughs> huge a huge number of men <coughs> that gathered at uh, at the Stand in the Gap conference. But as powerful as those large gatherings are, and, and as powerful as those large gathering, gatherings were, the Bible says a lot about the power of small. And one of the first things that I want to point out is the, 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 the um, Gideon's army. In the book of Judges, there were 32,000 in the army. It was a good-sized army that was prepared to go against the country of Midian. And God said to them, you've got too many. You're too big. 
And he said, the reason you're too big is because if you win this battle, you're going to say, we won because we're big. We won because we got so many people and we're so powerful that we won this battle because we're big. And so he said, everyone that's uh, not courageous can go home. Well, you'd think you just wouldn't want to go home because you wouldn't want to be thought of as the non-courageous one. But 22,000 went home. 22,000 people went home, leaving 10,000 people. Gideon said, you're still too big. And so he said, I want you to go down and drink water from the brook. And there were some people that drank water. They just put their head right there in the brook. And then there were some people that drank like this. They cupped it down, and they were looking around. And God said, those are the guys I want you to keep, the guys that are looking around. The guys that got their head in the water, uh, they might be courageous, but they're dumb. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, you're courageous, but, but if you put your head in the water and the enemy's behind the bushes, you're just left. So if you're going to drink water, you might be courageous, but you better be smart, right? So, so, But the Bible says there were only 300 there were only 300 that drank the water that way. So they went from 32,000 to 300. And if you know the story, uh, uh, the 300 won the victory that day. And God got the credit because of the power of small. Another great story about the power of small is the story of David and Goliath. The story of David and Goliath is an interesting story because you've got... Saul, who's the king of Israel, and all of the Israeli army on one side, and you've got the Philistines on the other, but there's a giant uh, who stands up. And uh, the Bible says that he's nine over nine feet tall. He's nine feet tall, but he's got the, all of Israel afraid. Now the interesting thing is, Saul, who is the king of Israel, is actually himself very tall, if you remember. When Saul became the king, the Bible says he stood head and shoulders over everyone else. So he's the big guy. If anyone should have been willing to go up against Goliath, it should have been Saul. But you know the story that David, he's not even old enough to go out to be with his brothers to fight in the battle. He's just going to deliver lunch. And uh, David says to Saul, tall Saul, don't worry about this Philistine, I'll fight him. And don't be ridiculous, Saul replies. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. You know the story that Saul is there with all of his armor and his spear and everything, and David has nothing but five stones and a slingshot, and he only needs one stone, and he hits Goliath right between the forehead, and Goliath comes down. And it's a story about the power of small. Little, how many know that little is much if God's in it? If, if God's in it, little can be much. Size, uh, the size does not always tell the whole story. Size can be a substitute. Size can be a crutch. But God at various places and points talks about small to make big points. You know the story of the five loaves and the two fish. When, when the people are hungry, and, and, and a little boy who brings his lunch, and God uses the little boy and his little lunch to feed 5,000 people. It's interesting that Jesus comes from 
a two-horse town. He comes from a small town. He comes from a town called Bethlehem. And in Micah 5, 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over all Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So when we read this passage about the explosive growth of the church that we read in Acts chapter in Acts chapter uh, 2. It's interesting that God didn't say, well, my goodness, we got to keep this growth thing, you know, we got to keep the big momentum going, so let's make sure we have Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night church, right? And just bring that big crowd together, and we'll just, we'll just do that so we can have a big crowd every time that we go together. But instead of that, the scripture indicates that instead of just continuing to meet in large groups, they did meet in large groups to come together. But the Bible says that what they did with all of these new converts is they met in homes, they broke bread together, they ate with sincere hearts, and they, then they broke into small groups. We, at, at Life Church, we have something called life groups. Our weekend services, we want to see them grow. I would say the more the merrier. I mean, I loved when I worshipped with uh, three million men in, in Washington, uh, D.C. That would be exciting to be in Lagos, Nigeria. Why? The reason that, that, that growth is a, is a good thing for our weekend services is because we're here to celebrate Jesus, right? And when we're celebrating Jesus, the more the merrier. In fact, the more people that we have, uh, the, the, the better the party gets, the better the music gets, the better everything gets. And so uh, we, we don't apologize about wanting to see that grow. However, if that's all that we do, we're going to miss something very, very significant. In fact, when I read the story of going to heaven and there's too many to count, I, I, I always get a kick out of that because it's almost like there's ushers that are up there, you know, and they're up to like four million, five million. Da, da, da. Oh, forget it. The Bible just, I'll you know, oh, forget it. You know, they just finally get to a point where they just can't count anymore. And so when I read about that, it is exciting to be in a large group, and it was exciting to be in some of those large groups that I was in. But what really made it cool, what really made it exciting, and I think what was really going to make heaven exciting is when I'm in heaven and I see this sea of people, but then I see Taylor. And Taylor and I are going to high five and we're going to say, we made it, brother. And, and we're going to have community in that huge group because we know each other. We have relationship with each other. We've had coffee together. We know each other. What makes a great crowd exciting, you know, think about going to Disneyland by yourself. It's no fun, right? Woohoo! I'm on the, I'm on the uh, roller coaster. What makes the roller coaster great is that you're with some people that you care about that make that experience so wonderful. So we not only need the celebration, 
But we need to break that down into the cell because what's going to make the party exciting, in fact, you can't know 3,000 people. You can't know 1,000 people. You can't know 500 people. But you can know 10 or 20 people that you love and that you care about that when you're in that party that you have community with that make that experience powerful. And so there's power. How many are you, are you following what I'm saying this morning? That there's power in small. And so, at Life Church, we really believe in small groups. And, and uh, this week, we're going we're gonna to kick off our small groups. Terry's going to have a small group in his home. Eulen's going to have a small group where they're going to watch movies. And they're going to have dinner together. And they're going to talk about those movies. And our youth group's going to begin meeting uh, this week. And we've got a young adult group that Natalie's going to be leading um, uh, this uh, week that's going to be starting this week. Why is it that we do those things? We do that so that we don't just come to a party on Sunday morning and look at the back of each other's heads and uh, say woohoo for Jesus, but that we're developing community. And so what is the purpose of our small groups? Number one in your notes is that Small groups are a place to connect. It's a place to connect. You know, no, no matter how wonderful the party is, no matter how good Taylor is at singing and leading worship, and uh, no matter how good Andy is, no matter how good Noah is, this, that doesn't matter. No matter how good, if you, if you like the preaching, if you like whatever, none of that will matter if you don't make some friends. If you don't make some people that you connect with, that you, that you care about, that, 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 uh, uh, in fact, the, the statistics show that if you don't make three friends in six months at a church, you're probably not going to stay at that church, no matter how good their programs are, no matter how good you like the worship, no matter good how that is. We need to connect, uh, with one another. First Corinthians chapter 9, 22 says, Yes, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let uh, me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. We need to find common ground with each other. That's really what the definition of fellowship is. Uh, you can put this in your notes if you want to. A great definition of fellowship is this. Two or more fellows in the same ship. <laughs> fellowship. That's right. Fellowship is two or more fellows in the same ship. It's people that have something in common, that they're, that they're sharing life together, that they have similar goals and similar dreams and similar plans. And, and uh, you know, maybe you're thinking, well, Pastor, you know, you're always talking about you know, us being friends with uh, lost people and all that. And absolutely, we need to have friendships with lost people. We need to connect with lost people. But let me tell you something. We need to have some fellowship with people who are trying to be found. Amen. We, need to have, we need to have community with people who are interested in the same things that we're interested, uh, people that we can grow together with, people that we can connect uh, with to each other. Jesus, the Bible says, was a friend of sinners. However, he fellowshiped with his disciples. 
He fellowshiped with them regularly. He went out from those disciples to connect with sinners and, and to have relationships with sinners. But he had a home base. He had people that he was growing together with, that he was pouring into their lives, and that they were in a small group together. In fact, when you think about Jesus and all that he did, uh, and all of the crowds that he drew, he really discipled 12. And, and one of them wasn't so successful. Think about it, Judas, you know? So Jesus just disciples a small group, and from that, the church of Jesus Christ is born and uh, spreads from there. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? We need to fellowship with one another. Part of fellowship means, yes, we get into the Word together, but it also means we have fun together. Is that all right? Amen. We have fun together. We share life together. We have food together. They broke bread together. That's fellowship. And so uh, we do that in our small groups. We'll have snacks, and we'll study the Word together, and we'll pray together. But all of those are so that we can make connections. So we need a place to connect. The second reason for small groups is not just a place to connect, but it's a place to protect. 1 John 3.16 says, we know, that real love, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. We've got to have some people that we say, you know what, I'd lay it down for them. I'd, I'd, I, would, uh, I would take the fall for them. I would, I, 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 some, some brothers and sisters that we care about deeply, that we're in relationship with, that, that you know what, when you're in our group, I don't care what you've done, um, uh, you know, what you shared in our group, it's safe in this group. You, you can share your life together because you know what, you're with a bunch of fellow travelers that are, that are just as sick as you are. Right? Uh, Frederick Buechner said, we're only as sick as our secrets. You, you know, that those secrets that we have, and, and, and you shouldn't share your secrets with everybody. But, 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 that there's, but there, there's a group of people that would, that would uh, go to bat for you and that would protect you and, and brothers and sisters. And so it's really important that we have people that will protect us. Amen. It's, it's real important that you've got a safe place that you can, that you can share your life together and that, that you can uh, let down your hair. I let my, down my hair so long that it finally just fell out. But, but you, have to, you, you have to have safe places uh, that you can, the people that will protect you. And finally, the last thing, and this is so important, small groups, I cannot think of a better way, folks, Small groups are a place to grow. We really believe that spiritual growth happens best in the context of small groups. The celebration is great. Hearing the word is great. Singing the songs and celebrating Jesus is great. But, but Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You will never grow more than you will grow when you find a small group that you can learn from, share life together, and, uh, and, and, and bear one another's burdens together. I've just been thinking about my life, and I was thinking about in college and, and some of the drastic changes that, I, that we've made in our lives. 
My, my wife and I grew up in a very, very restrictive uh, denomination, and 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 uh, and maybe it doesn't seem like a big deal to you, but leaving our denomination was was unbelievably difficult. Um, it, it was uh, if you've ever if you've ever heard of. Uh, of, of some of these groups where they practice shunning, you, you know, where they, if you would leave that group that you would be shunned or people would turn their backs on you. That's what it was like. We knew that, that backs would be turned on us. I would never have had the strength to make some of those uh, changes and, 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 and make some of those decisions if it wasn't for a small group that I could process with that would say, you know what, when you face this, not if you face this, but when you face this, we're going to be here for you. And, and when, you, and when, and when, uh, and when uh, life feels like it's falling apart for you, we're going to be here for you. I can't imagine people that go through a divorce that don't have a group of people that are, they're surrounded with that can, that can share with them and say, we're going to love you when you feel unloved. We're going to be here for you and we're going to care about you you're having trouble with your 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 teenager your your young person and you've got a group of friends that you can share that with and people that you can pray with about it i really want to challenge you today as we as we begin our small groups and 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 we i think we have a very reasonable approach to small groups we treat them kind of like school uh, we got a fall semester and we got a spring semester and and then uh, some groups can meet in the summertime uh, as well. The the groups can vary. You know, you can have everything from studying the book of the Bible to, you know, we've been meeting for tennis in the middle of the week uh, for a group. But that's wonderful, you know, because it's tennis and then it's eating together. We want to make sure that we don't exercise so much that we're unbalanced, and so then we go blow it with food after we, after we exercise. But uh, all of that, all of that is building friendships and fellowship, and we're sharing life together, and it's so, so very, very important. Um, Terry, why don't you raise your hand? Terry's right there. Go ahead and stand up. Eulen, why don't you stand up if you would? My daughter's not here in this service. I'm going to be a part of Terry's group, but I'm hoping Terry's group is so big that we need to um, multiply that group. And if it multiplies, I'm going to take the overflow group from that from that group. We've got a youth group that Chan's going to be leading. Um, am I missing any? I think that, oh, uh, Natalie's uh, group, she'll be here next service young adults group um, see one of these people if you're interested in being a part of a group they're going to be going through something called the story right the story which is the bible's the the, the biblical story uh, they're going to be watching a, a little bit of a video and then having a group discussion and you always eat good with your there when you're at their house i know that you and you're going to do something different uh, interesting you want to say what it is you're starting this Saturday or a week from Saturday the, the 19th okay see Eulen if you're interested in that 
Eulen, if you don't know Eulen, you're, you're going to learn with Eulen. You're going to grow with Eulen. It's excellent. All right. Jan says, you want to read that? Y'all fired up by small groups? Yeah, let's hear it, all right? Hey, and are you fired up about Friend Day next week? All right. Look at, look at an empty seat near you. I know you got some near you. And, uh, and uh, in fact, you can just pat that empty seat and uh, just, just uh, make it your responsibility. Make it your responsibility to invite somebody. If, hey, let's do something else. Let's don't just invite somebody next week. Let's bring them. Just bring them, all right? You have some of those friends that you can just say, come on, you're going to church with me. Sometimes you just got to be a little bit forceful, don't you? I, I, I hate to admit this. I, I work in sales during the week, and I had this guy that was just debating over this real easy decision to make because it was something he could afford and he really needed it and said finally I just said quit being a tightwad give me your credit card and let's buy it <laughs> so, sometimes sometimes you got to just say sometimes you got to just say come on let's go to church right let's do that let's bring some people next week let's fill this place twice and uh, let's see what God will do let's make the celebration great let's just get fired up and uh, make our Sunday mornings great but then as God gives us new people Let's, let's see the power of small, and let's get in these small uh, environments and watch what God does. Hey, you've been great. Thanks for coming out this week. And how about those Tennessee volunteers? I thought it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, of course, we only beat Bowling Green. We'll see you next week when we, get Oakland, when we play Oklahoma. But uh, anyway, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this day, and we thank you, Lord, for meeting with us today, and we thank you, Lord, on this Labor Day for all of those who work so hard uh, to make our city and our country and our state great, Lord. We just pray, Lord, for our country right now. I know, Lord, we're in a time of lots of things, decisions being made about who our next leader is going to be, Lord. It's also a time, Lord God, when world... The world is very tense. And in the middle of all that, God, we're just crying out to you, God, and just saying, build your church. Lord, help us to be a church, Lord, that, that really believes that the answers to the world's problems are not in, in the political realm. But, God, the answer to the world's needs, Lord, are found in Jesus Christ. So we look to you today, God. We seek after you. And as we, as we come together, Lord God, as... Uh, in small groups, Lord, some of them beginning this week. We just pray, Lord God, that this will be just a wonderful season of spiritual growth. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen.